So this week we have a two-time People Magazine Sexiest Man Alive directing a one-time People Magazine Sexiest Man Alive. And to get Chris even a little more excited, they both played Batman. So this week we're talking movies. We're talking The Tender Bar, starring Ben Affleck, Ty Sheridan, and Lily Wright. Written by William Monaghan, based on the memoir by H.R. Moringer, and directed by George Clooney. Chris, you're a writer the minute you say you are. Nobody gives you a diploma. You have to prove it. At least to yourself. Well, don't tell anyone what a good grandfather is. I am, because then everybody will want Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of How'd You Like That Movie? As Scott said, we're going to be talking about The Tender Bar that came out late 2021 uh, and went kind of direct to streaming platforms, which is exactly where it belongs. If this was the olden days, I would say this was best described as a made-for-TV movie, regardless of how many People Magazine Sexiest Men Alive's are in it. Scott, take us away. Somebody sounds better for being the runner-up to last place for Sexiest Man Alive, Chris. I'm just mad that, you know, I'm uh, always nominated and I never win, so. <laughs> always a bridesmaid, never, never a, bride. a bride. That's right. <laughs> and you're like, Clooney got two, motherfucker. But, um, so obviously, based on your super dour introduction, um, you didn't like this, and I'm going to explain why you're wrong. Go, go, do it. Uh, that do it, this do it, do is it. The, this was a really good movie, and I think um, <laughs> in terms of like winning teams, like this is a winning team, Clooney and Affleck. Oh my god! Okay, right now, hold on, sidebar. So this is yet again uh, on a weekly basis. Scott reminding us it's a shock that he gets to be on a podcast about movies. Okay, sidebar over, over. Keep going, Scott. <laughs> so this. This team, this team up, team Ramron. <laughs> they, they've won a best, a best pitcher together. Or have you forgotten, Chris? Uh, which, which, what did they win their best picture for? Argo. Oh, the one Clooney where they just totally it. like acted like the Canadian embassy there didn't actually save the day. Like it was mostly the Canadian embassy that did the stuff that Ben Affleck supposedly did. That, that movie, that Argo. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. So that still doesn't take, you know, the Oscar away from Ben Affleck's nightstand because it fucking happened and they won. Mm. Same with George Clooney. It happened and they won. Whoa, 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 now, whoa, whoa, the, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, though. They won Best Picture, didn't they? I think Argo won a bunch of different ones, but it was Best Picture as well, yeah. Well, Clooney's was for Best Picture, but it wasn't for directing. No, because Clooney didn't direct it. Ben Affleck a did. Fucking awful director. Oh, anyway, keep going. Well, well first, our, uh, Ben Affleck directed Argo, not George Clooney. That's what Clooney I mean. He, like, yeah, but George Clooney directed this. He did not. And direct. Ben Affleck produced it, so it's like a reverse. Except that the producers are the ones that get those awards, and this was badly produced, badly directed, and mediocrely acted in. But you're right. Both of those two have Oscars together for totally different reasons. Go ahead. And, and Chris, guess who doesn't? 
Scott Vega. <laughs> Not yet. But <laughs> <soon>. <laughs> do you want to give us a, wait, 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 wait. Do you want to give a quick summary of this fantastic movie? Not not like the opinion of the movie, but like tell us. No, well, well, it's the memoir of J.R. Moringer, I think is his name. Okay. How you pronounce the last name. And, you know, it's his life story living in Long Island. We could actually call this um, podcast. How do you pronounce that name? Because we, yeah, we, we, we've we said can... that joke already <laughs> like numerous times. Listen to any of our earlier podcasts, and that's Chris's joke. As as most of our listeners know, he's a one trick pony. He just says the same. I can't wait. Like y- y- your comments are like more redundant than um, a real estate agent that puts sold by realtor on a for sale sign. Because that's your fucking job, is to sell the fucking house. I don't need a sign that says you did it. Okay, anyway, carry on. You going to do the summary? or? (laughs) Yeah, it's his fucking life story and him going to Yale and then becoming a writer. And then, you know, taking all that drama. And, um, you know, he wrote a book about it and they turned it into a movie. They did. I'm not going to give away everything. That's that's the story though. It's like a coming of age story. That's like yeah, there's yeah. nothing to give away really for the most part. His dad lives in a radio. He does live in a radio. <laughs> on the Mexican radio. Uh-huh. But now in terms of the writer of this film who did the the screenplay, uh William Monahan. He's got Are some, you familiar? He's, he's got some yeah. good stuff, man. I mean, I so I mean, he did Departed, The Departed. He did the, the ad- adaptation uh, from Internal Affairs. He did Body of Lies. Um, mm-hmm. And he did a couple Edge other... Edge of Darkness. He did which? Yeah. Edge of Darkness. He, his first film was Kingdom of Heaven with... Yeah, um, yeah with, with Ridley Scott. Yeah. So, so... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, just go ahead. This is the Chris show. It's not the Chris show, but it's going to be for a second here, is that... So he's definitely a capable screenwriter, uh, but he hadn't really done good work in this genre. You know what I mean? Like, what do you mean? No, I don't. This is like a fucking drama, like just a straight up coming of age drama. All those big things that we just mentioned are like action, you know, and I, I would even say The Departed is, again, like he basically just took internal affairs and rejigged it a bit so there's even very little there's a lot less of his own fingerprints on that you know what i mean sure um it's been years since i've actually watched internal affairs man you could seriously um, remember this is the reason that we and this include i got us banned from that other podcast site uh all the right movies all the right fucking geeks uh because i kept telling them it's basically a shot for shot fucking remake so Okay. Anyway. So somebody's not bitter. <laughs> what am I not bitter on this show? <laughs> sure enough. But like, I think in terms of what this film was, it, it's serviceable, but it's also entertaining, right? Like I was it's not entertaining. like, even though, you know, this is a memoir and everything like that, like in terms of the writing, the thing that I enjoyed and there's been a lot of, you know, biopics and documentaries and everything like that but like this was written technically everything is from the main character's perspective 
like so, so many biopics okay yeah but most of most of the biopics as well like you'll have like the scenes where it's like you know the he's off somewhere she's off somewhere and then you have scenes where it's just the family discussing stuff right sure but this is everything like like every like the main character uh the child jr is in the um in every scene and every scene is based off of you know what he's seeing in fact like when he's a kid like if you notice his mom doesn't have a name right like it's just mom everybody's when because everybody's always talking to him so when they're referring to her it's always like your mom mom this mom that right which you don't really see much I don't think it, in most writing. That, where that's it, what you found intriguing about this movie. That that's what you found yeah. intriguing. I, that I a biopic it, was taken from like a first person narrative and revolved around a singular individual in the movie about their life. That that's what you found interesting. Yes. <laughs> I found it very interesting. First off, just go watch more fucking biopics and you'll realize how common that is. <laughs> really? Yes. Name me, give me three. I can't probably name three biopics off the top of my head. Uh, well, I mean, Queen, the one with, what is it, Bohemian Rhapsody, mostly mm-hmm. revolves around, I don't know, Freddie Mercury, Ray, around Ray Charles. Yeah, but, uh, but the, okay, it mostly revolves around Freddie Mercury, but um, the criticism of that film is the character of Freddie Mercury wasn't really like that in the film that's how the other bandmates kind of saw him yeah but you don't know if this is actually how this person is in real life because this is the filmmaker's interpretation of that memoir you know what i mean sure okay continue like like let's anyway i don't know i know like i said off the top of my head i'm not gonna be able to list enough biopics to to really like have a fulsome, wholesome, wholesome conversation about this. Um, but again, okay, so you found that... I learn English. You, well, wholesome and fulsome are two different words, right? So, um, so you found that really interesting that the biopic came from the perspective of the child. Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I thought the writing was, like, I enjoyed the writing. And I, I did think that in terms of the performances, um... I enjoyed each one. I thought Ben Affleck did a really good job. Um, I don't have his name in front of me right now, but Which the child. Uh, the, Ty what, Sheridan? The, no, no, that's him like m- growing up, but the kid. Oh, like the child, like the, the youngest version. Yeah. I thought he did a, a really good job as well. Like he was, he was fucking adorable. That mm. kid. Uh, Daniel R- Ranieri is his name. And then fucking. Christopher Lloyd's a treasure, man. He is. A I treasure. fucking loved. I loved him. Is that it? No. Well, um, go ahead. I, I'm waiting for you to just like fucking. Dude, I'm just letting, letting you explain to our audience what you liked about this film, though. Like you said, the writing. You said the writing's good. Yeah, the acting Lloyd's as well. Good. The acting is good. Uh, so I, I guess think I... it will be Oscar nominated. <laughs> I know Ben Affleck got nominated for a Golden Globe, which, let's be honest, Golden Globes don't mean fuck all. And I've got a big issue with set the SAG Awards right now because their whole thing about like just sending it out to like random people that have SAG cards and letting them make decisions. The whole fact that like Nicole Kidman got all these 
uh, got the nomination for uh, what's it called? Being the Ricardos. Being the Ricardos. I was like, you people have no fucking idea what you're talking about. Um, anyway, <laughs> I just I just insulted the entire actors union of the United States. So hey, yeah, what's up, guys? That's... Hopefully, I guess I will never be getting a SAG card. I'll have to stick with uh, an actor one. Um, so I guess the good thing I can say about this film is that Ben Affleck's not the worst thing in it. So there's <laughs> Ben that. Affleck's not the worst thing. In it. <laughs> so I mean, there's that. I I actually expected to go in go go into this and be like, oh fuck, it's Ben Affleck doing a bad job somehow somehow of playing Ben Affleck. And in this situation, he did a good job of playing Ben Affleck, like the nice drunk instead of the like angry drunk. So kudos to that. Like, like come on, man, you can't. Oh, oh wait. And if... sorry, he didn't have a Massachusetts accent this time. He had a long, his version of a Long Island accent. So, I mean, he's really showing his range. Uh, they still didn't get him into any type of New York uh, ball caps because that's like, you know, like written in his fucking contract that I can't wear like a New York Yankees or a Mets hat. So, um, yeah. Okay. So on that, that topic, I mean, most of the acting, it was like stale. Like, so Ty Sheridan, uh, Sheridan who plays JR, like primarily through the movie, except for the, like the younger version, you're right. He did a great job. Little kid actor, adorable. Um, most of the time his acting is very flat. But I mean, his like his dialogue delivery, uh, except for the scene with his dad at the end, which was the first time I felt like there was like some actual life in this picture. And I don't want to I don't want to give that spoiler away. Uh, but I felt like that, like finally got kind of the blood moving. Um, but otherwise, like his acting is his dialogue delivery is super flat. Uh, but again, the dialogue's not super fucking great either. Um, the, it kind of goes from like scene to scene to scene again, like th this. OK, this movie isn't bad it's just not good um and even at 104 minutes like even doing the normal like chris thing where it's like cut it down to 90 it, there's it's just not dynamic in any way shape or form the most dynamic part of this film stay and watch the end credit sequence finally you see some like fucking editing at least like dynamic editing there's some like you know moving back and forth and different camera angles otherwise it's fucking boring really yes really <laughs> Uh, okay, so you didn't enjoy it at all. So was there was there it took, anything? It took me three sittings to watch it. A fucking really? a movie that's an hour and fourteen minutes long, and I can watch like a Sergio Leone picture in one go. Ex ex except for the good, bad, and the ugly, I had to, I had to cut that into two. It's just too long. Good, bad, the ugly. It was too long, or fucking yeah. Once Upon a Time in America. Oh, like, I haven't finished that yet. Actually, I haven't. I haven't finished that. It's it's the. I know, I'll get off topic if I start talking about that movie. The The clock at the very beginning in the first, like, 30 minutes kind of threw me through the whole movie. Um, so Adam Graham from the Detroit News said, and this I, I agree with this, the tender bar coasts along but never gets any deeper than small talk with a barkeep. Check, please. And it's true. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't really tell much. I've never read the memoir, so maybe the guy's life isn't super exciting, but, I mean, I'm assuming it was a best-selling memoir. Um there's no, there's not enough conflict for you to really care about the character. Like he's poor, supposedly like, you know, I know they have to move in with the family and stuff, but his life doesn't seem that bad. Like he's got a good uncle. He's got a good mom. Even the stuff around his mom and like the surgery she has to have, it never really gets to a point where you're like worried. Like it's, you know, he gets into a, a really prestigious school, 
But even at the beginning, they're like, we'll, we'll make it work financially. Like you never see hardship, like real hardship. Um, you know, to be honest, the quote or the, the note I made for myself is like a better version of this is goodwill hunting. Go watch goodwill hunting. You had to have adversity. You have someone overcome, you know, overcoming something. It's, it's better written. It's better acted. It's a better version of Ben Affleck. Um, because it has Matt Damon in it. <laughs> um, no, um, I just think, you know, after doing this with you for a while, you have a bias. If it's an actor you do not like, <laughs> you go out of your way to fucking like. But I also don't think George Clooney's a very good director, so I guess it's double trouble. I mean, you got it. You, you they're they're doing well on the the people's hottest man list, but they're not doing well on the Chris like. you know performance uh, and and direct director list you know what i mean um so you don't like Clooney as a director i'm trying to think so he did the midnight sky which was awful monument men which was awful ides of march is okay confessions of a dangerous mind is good though i will give him that i was gonna say that one that's a good one um Mm, yeah yeah uh, was, so theodore but he doesn't really have many that he's directed either right like the only he's other got like two, 10 you, films or something like that no he only has one anyway you can count those two, three, while four, i keep five, talking because we're on the radio you keep forgetting that uh so we're theodore, not on the radio. theodore melfi was originally supposed to direct and so he did saint vincent and hidden figures and i think this film would have been a much better film because like if you see saint vincent is amazing like it gets you right in the feeling place in your heart Bill Murray, like it was. Oh, actually, um, McCarthy's in it as well. She she does an amazing job. Um, and H- Hidden Figures was really well structured, good like drama, good story arc to it. Again, gets you in the feels with the emotion stuff. I again, I just don't think that George Clooney's a very good director. I think that the screenplay might be kind of out of the realm that uh, the screenwriter is used to working in, and so that probably has an issue. And Again, the story itself, if this story is the way it's written in the screenplay, it doesn't touch on any of the stuff that really matters. Again, because there's no hardship. You don't, like, there's no overcoming any real adversity that you see. So, I mean, oh, wait, it was color graded mm. like it was shot in the 70s. That was kind of cool. Oh, by the way, voiceover narration is lazy screenwriting. It's lazy. Yeah, they did it in the Wonder Years, and yes, they do it in Stand By Me. I have to go back and see if I find that as annoying then. But if you constantly use voiceover narration, it's lazy screenwriting. Well, you would think in a memoir, you would have that. You don't have to, though. You can put it in the dialogue. You can do stuff like, hey, another warm 1974 day as we get ready to blah, 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 blah. You know, you can do things, set dressing, Things that are, you know, you have the news on, you know, and as the troops to uh, pull out of Saigon, like, well, like you can, you can tell a story without just like ham fistingly telling the story. They even hand fisted the music cues, man. Like there's some really solid music in here. I mean, it's the seventies, but it's almost like dot, 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 music cue for the seventies, dot, 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 music cue for the second, instead of using like more dialectic, like they do dialectic a bit, like when the radio's on and he hears his dad. But oftentimes it's just like scene and music cue, scene and music cue. And it's like, well, be more creative, man. 
you want to like you want to see music like music get your bingo cards ready you want to see like really creative use of music and film is just study the way tarantino works with it you know what i mean you're you really just like wait right like you just like <laughs> this is you, you, like you're just like fuck it and, and i can i literally can see it right now the, and this is probably why it took you you said two sittings right yeah you went three no it took me three it took me three settings to watch this movie for for the okay i i did it in one and i was thoroughly enjoyed um doing it but um i can see it like let me guess every 35 minutes you you took a break uh well i'd like watch for a section and then i'd like turn it off or i'd go to sleep i'd watch i watched it after work right so i was like eh. okay because what what I thought you were doing, you'd watch it for 35 minutes and then you get your, you know, really long ass notebook, things <laughs> Quentin Tarantino would do. And then you just literally writing out what, what the first 30 minutes is and you'd be like, okay, we would have a back and forth. You wouldn't know if it's present day or not. The big reveal would be like Ty Sheridan is the older JR without knowing because it's moving back to force. Insert tight, <laughs> tight, extreme close up. <laughs> put put in Credence by the Water or whatever that band Clear Water. You know, you know, no politician's son when he's not uh, when he's uh, applying to go to Yale. That's right. I love it. I love it. Let's go make that movie. I want to watch that movie. The one you just fucking explained. I 100% want to watch that movie. Let's do that. <laughs> but I think in terms of what you're saying, like there is no um, adversity for him to feel. I think what they tried to, what, what I felt they tried to do and what most life is, he had to overcome himself. Right. That was his ad adversity, overcoming what, he, you know, the traits you're born with that, you know, like the, his big eye opener <clears throat> was when him and his uncle, who's Ben Affleck, and I still don't remember why. Why was Ben Affleck in the jail or not in jail and at the hospital for? That was the one thing I couldn't. Uh, I don't know if out. they ever really like get to it. Did he have a heart attack, maybe? I don't know, but because then the narration said, like, the minute he got out of the hospital, he started having more cigarettes. So I don't know if he had, a, like, a mild stroke or something due to cigarette. Uh, but when he's like, you know, you're you're drinking like your dad drank, right? Without, and Ty or JR never had that relationship with his father. And just to see, like, he... And that's what kind of turned him around, trying to see that he's turning into his father, which is the thing he never wanted for the, for the entirety of his life is what you see, right? Like he didn't want to be called Junior anymore. He just wanted to be called JR because he wanted no association mm -hmm. with his father. Yeah, those are all true things, but that doesn't make the film enjoyable to watch or make you give a shit about the fucking characters. Listen, this this is like a two dimensional movie. If, basically, if they ever make a biopic of our podcast, I'm going to be junior, and you're going to be like the fucking, you're the adversity I have to to go <laughs> to get over. Right, that's it. I make you, uh, you know, uh, whatever doesn't kill you make you makes you stronger, as Nietzsche Nietzsche and, said. So, and uh, you know, to throw some salt in the wound, 
Ben Affleck will play you. Oh, you and no, no, and 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 and, Paul and somehow gonna and, play and somehow Jesse, what's his name, Jesse, uh, not uh, Pullman or Plunkman or whatever the however uh, you say his name, Jesse Plemons and Ben Affleck will somehow play me at the same time, and the younger version will be played by Charlemont. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna <laughs> go with Paul Rudd because he can go with playing me like my whole life from teenage. Yeah, <laughs> from teenage can. to old men, right? Because that man doesn't age. If, if you love Paul Rudd and you want to see a young Paul Rudd looking exactly like today's Paul Rudd, uh, watch Romeo and Juliet and check out our podcast on that from last week. <laughs> you're learning. Oh my god, you're learning. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to fucking browbeat this fucking film anymore. It's fine. It's on Amazon. If you have Amazon, it's free. Watch it. Tell me that I'm right, or watch it and tell Scott that he's wrong. No, it doesn't work that way. Um, also, do you want to put a bet on that this film gets nominated? Nominated for what? Like a, the teens, say... the kids' teen award? Like what? What? No, what no, no. for an Oscar? I think I, I will get an Oscar nod. Okay, let's. What's the bet? First off, let's talk what the the, the amounts are here. Oh, why do we have to do amounts? Okay, what do you? What are we betting if, then? If if it is nominated, I want. A five-minute soliloquy made by you on our podcast about how amazing I am. A soliloquy? Well, so yeah, first off, it's like a, a monologue. You want a, a, like five, a five? You know how long a fucking five-minute monologue is? I'm not doing that. I don't even that, care. I'm a, not writing a five-minute monologue. That's a long monologue. I'll, I will write you. A, I will write you a poem that I will about how great you are, and I will read it. Haiku? On the air. Be a maybe a haiku but i will i'll write a poem of some ver- of some version of a poem how's that sound sure because there's only so nominated for anything you're, you're you're wanting a full the full gambit it can be nominated for like fucking set dressing or music editing or something like that you're not gonna well, you're not even gonna fucking uh, i'm gonna say affleck affleck will get a nod i think it's gonna be best supporting you don't get to think it's a bet so put your fucking money where your mouth is yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna think it'll be best supporting because the best uh, best actor is like filling up, but they don't have many in the best supporting. I don't okay, so what yet. do I get if you're wrong? That's what you have to say, okay. not me. Uh, I don't have to. Okay, if 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 uh, if it's not nominated, I will go on the podcast and say I was wrong. No, 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 no. I know what I want. I want. I want. I I don't know if you can do this. I want you to wear a shirt with my face on it for the podcast okay you make you make the shirt and i'll wear it yeah if you're if if it's not nominated okay yeah i like that bet let's do that boom there we go that's all for me man and that is our wrap for the day please like and subscribe to this podcast tell your friends if you want to get a hold of us, reach us at the www.howdyoulikethatmovie.com. Oh man, you're so you're so getting a picture of me like half naked, like laying on a rug or something. Oh, is it going to be your <laughs> Tinder profile? <laughs> a picture of your Tinder profile? <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. I can't wait for you to wear that shirt with my face on it. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't like a um, fucking Logan Paul, like fucking bet where you're like, you got to tattoo my name on your body. Production by Rod Shaver. 
Fader Monkey Productions.